How we doing? How we living? This is Austin Cunningham, and I am joined as always with Justin Treese, Doug Anderson, and Riley O'Brien. The draft was this weekend. I'm sure you guys watched it. Maybe you're happy or disappointed with what what direction your team went. If you're the Giants, you're probably not very happy. Sorry about it, but we'll get into this a little deeper. Uh, what were your guys' initial thoughts of the draft finally happening now that it was here? Let's see where you're at. Justin, let's hear from you, man. I think we all agreed that draft weekend is probably the best weekend in sports. We absolutely love it. I mean, opening weekend of football is very, very close. But if you're if you're a football fan and you love the NFL and you love college, I mean, the week draft weekend is absolutely perfect. I I'm a, I'm with you, Austin. There are a lot of teams that are probably very excited about what they did this team this weekend, and then there's probably a few teams that are wondering what the fuck happened. How are we not prepared um, over the last couple months? Doug, what are your thoughts? I love draft weekend, honestly, because that's your future coming in. That's when you see like, oh my gosh, this is our season. We're going to do great. If you're the the Bills, the Redskins, you're like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. And then you come in watching the draft and your team just happens to be picking sixth overall. And you hear them say, Daniel Jones. Just wait for next season. You'll be good next season. Like th- th- this coming season? Nah, uh, no, no, no. Wait till next draft, then get that hope back because your hopes and dreams are gone. I'm sorry. Any Giants fans, especially uh, Brandon Olson over at Whole Nine Sports, giving you a shout out. We're so sorry. Thanks for Odell, but we're so sorry. <laughs> you want to know what, though, with the, with the Giants? Yeah, everybody knows they shit the bed the first two picks, but I kind of liked what they did. After I thought they actually had a pretty good draft besides those two picks. And and it's amazing how, let's say that they didn't take Daniel Jones and they took Haskins or even Locke. And say they still took uh, Lawrence, even though I think that was the worst pick than Jones. But like if they would have just switched to that quarterback, I think all of us would have been saying that the Giants had a pretty good draft. Am I wrong on that? I think you're absolutely right. Now, here's my little thing since, or my little thought on it, just since, you know, I spent the night thinking up, thinking over it and the same as today. What if the Giants were right? What if taking Daniel Jones was, you know, the smart thing to do at pick six? Because, you know, Locke's going to need time to develop. You know, Haskins, you know, potentially could be a plug and play type guy, may need time to develop. But that's not where the Giants are right now. They want a guy that's going to come in know like you know the nfl and you know want to be taught by eli manning i think that's another huge piece in this that no one's really mentioning mentioned eli manning is going to have you know a sort of feeling and like understanding in compassion for him i know that's kind of a weird word to use there but like he's going to want to help him and that'll help the giants in the long run Yes, they might have similar play. The Giants might not get away with that for another 10 years if Daniel, if Daniel Jones is the answer for them. But let's say he is. Let's say he is the answer, and he has a better career than Locke and a Haskins. Then we're sitting here like, wow, the Giants actually had a pretty good draft. Maybe outside the fact that they took Dexter Lawrence and the pick that they got OB, that they got for OBJ, you know, that's definitely a head-scratcher. That, like, that's a big one for me. But what if Daniel Jones is the answer? Where are we at in three years sitting here looking back and talking about it? And yeah. if he's not, well, Gettleman's gone anyway. So, Absolutely. Because And for everybody that's not maybe familiar with what the Giants did do after the first two picks, they traded back up into the first round, got DeAndre Baker, they got O'Shane Zimenez, they got Julian Love, they got Darius Slayton, who's a wide receiver from Auburn, who I was a big fan of. I mean, and they got a few other guys that I just don't have off the top of my head, but I do, those are the main guys that I was like, man, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. And I'm the I'm the first to admit it that I was all offseason. I was like, yeah, but Gettleman hates cornerbacks. He's not going to draft any cornerbacks. And look, he, he goes after two very good cornerbacks in Julian Love and DeAndre Baker and trading up back into the first round for Baker, which is a huge deal. Um, a lot of people, I, I think we have intelligent fans that they kind of understand this, but for those that maybe are new to the draft and whatnot, why is it so important to trade up into the first round, even though you think that you could get somebody in the second round, say like the second or third pick in the second round? 
The reason why you want him in the first round is because you get that fifth year option. And so then you can have that extra year before they hit free agency. So if you do hit on these guys, you get that extra year of on a rookie deal, which you don't get on the second or second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round guys. So just a heads up on that. But I'm with you, Austin. Like all of us could be the idiots. We all could be wrong. I I don't think we are, but we're really not going to know for a couple of years. And to go off of the Eli Manning thing, Eli knows he's safe. They're not going to bench him this year. They're not. Like th- this organization loves him. They will give him this year to ride into the sunset or two years. Um, but for me, I'm just like, there's no, there's not going to be any animosity towards him. Like say like a Philip Rivers, if they, if they went and I like, got Josh Rosen, right? Like, I think that he's really going to try to help out Daniel Jones and be like, Hey man, in two years, I'm not going to be able to play this game at the high level that I think that I'm playing at now. So I'm going to make it so the Giants continue to succeed because I'm a full-time New York football giant. Going off your point of, you know, the franchise, it's more the ownership loves Eli Manning and has respect for Eli Manning because what he's done for them since he's, you know, taken the role. Two Super Bowls, both against the Patriots. That's huge. And, you know, when the time does come – and you need Eli Manning to make a throw or make something happen, he does it in the playoffs. You know, he does it in the Super Bowl. You know, a lot of people give credit to the helmet catch, right? Wow, that's a great catch. I think a lot of people forget that Eli Manning was almost sacked three times on that same play. I mean, he's almost getting dragged down. Somehow breaks the tackle. I remember watching this as a – I was in elementary school, and I remember watching this like they're about to blow the whistle. He's not going to get away. He gets away, and then he just launches it. Interception. Oh, my God, he caught it off the helmet. Little Austin Cunningham freaking running around with his head, you know, cut off. Just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Didn't have a favorite, you know, didn't care about the game, but it was just like, that's crazy. And that's just kind of what Eli's been. And then since the game's changed and evolved, it's everyone's faster, everyone's even stronger, you know, since then. And Eli Manning really just kind of hasn't, been as good with escaping the pocket, getting away from pressure as much as he used to. And, I mean, the dude is pretty old still. I mean, the same situation with Philip Rivers, right? For me, I would have gone Dwayne Haskins. I really would have. And my favorite video from the draft up to this point, or up to this point of this pick, um, was Dwayne actually laughing at the pick. Like, he, he didn't seem like he was pissed off. He wasn't like, what the heck, they didn't pick me. He didn't show any sense of remorse. He was just, he laughed and just shrugged it off. And when he got picked up by the Redskins, which, holy hell, they fell to him at 15. They didn't even have to trade up like a lot of people thought they were going to or had were going to have to. Like, he was so happy. He was stoked, which I would be too if the Redskins were to draft me over the Giants this time this year, this season, because the I don't get the Giants. I just I've said that, and I just still don't. Totally. Speaking of that video, it actually reminds me a lot of the Brady Quinn video when the Dolphins passed on him for Ted Ted Ginn, and you just see Brady Quinn be like, "Wow!" Like that, like the kind of the same sort of scenario there. But speaking of the Redskins, I think we all can agree here. We think that they had one of the stronger drafts out of all of the teams. So, Doug, I know that you text us first about this, so I'll let you lead the way here. Tell us about tell us a little bit about the Redskins draft. The Redskins, I know that they were filled with absolute joy when Dwayne Haskins kept falling to them. Um, the reason I kind of laugh at it as I say Dwayne Haskins because I keep calling him Haskins. I don't know why, but I do. I'm probably going to keep doing that throughout his entire career. But Dwayne Haskins... He was able to have his buddy, Terry McLaurin, who he made look really good at their pro day. They picked him up. Um, They picked up Montez Sweat, who we all love Montez Sweat. Um, I'm impressed with the guy. I wasn't a huge fan of him at the beginning of the offseason. Once all of the pre-draft things started to come up, come happen, watching more of his tape, though, you're like, all right, this dude's a contender. Work on his bend a little bit, but he's still really good. Still has tons of tenacity. Um, now, this was a sentence. I tweeted this, but this is a sentence I didn't think I would say this time last year. 
that Bryce Love and Darius Geis were going to be the monsters in the backfield for the Redskins. Granted, Darius Geis got hurt last year, didn't get to play. Bryce Love did not have the season everybody was hoping that he would. I mean, come on, it hurt his stock quite a bit compared to the year before. But those are the two guys in the backfield for the Redskins, which I'm actually pretty excited for. Because if we start seeing the old Bryce Love come up, that's going to be dangerous. Darius Geis, who I love, that's going to be a monster in the backfield. So overall, I think that the Redskins, they did really good with their draft. They got plenty of great value as they went through the draft. Um, I'm not a huge guy that likes to give out grades for a draft, but I definitely give them an A, if not an A plus, because where they were able to pick up their guys, didn't have to make tons of moves to pick up their guys. That's huge. Um, even for the guys, kind of like Teresa was saying, why you pick up people in the first round? Well, they were able to get their guys at each spot that they wanted, so they didn't have to make these crazy trades or move up or be able to have to worry about that fifth-year option. They got what they wanted. They did what they could. Daniel Snyder did not trade away a ton of first rounds and second rounders. So I think it's safe to say the Redskins fan, the Redskins fans, they're okay. They don't have to worry this year. Yeah. One of the people that you haven't brought up yet, which I thought was one of the steals of the draft, was in the sixth round, they got Kelvin Harmon. That's the right. Wide, the wide receiver out of NC State. Austin, or I mean, sorry, Doug. You and I were talking about this at the very start of this process, actually before we even started this podcast, and I was like, dude, Harmon's a stud. Like, I think he's going to – like I was hoping the Jags were going to take him round two very early in the process, but I still I would have been shocked if you would have told me that he fell past round three because I, I really considered him kind of that third-round wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Getting him at six, this round six is unbelievable. Austin, what are your thoughts on that? I'm right there with you guys. That was nuts. But the reason that he did is just because of the speed issues, I believe. That's what I heard. Um, it wasn't anything due with injuries. It was just he's not as quick. So that led into not getting down the field quick enough, you know, not getting through his route slope. But that, to me, you know, doesn't really matter when you're in the red zone or you need a guy to just go up and get the ball, right? And that's what he excels in. So I was very confused and shocked that he fell, you know, just like you said, past the third round, let alone getting drafted into the sixth. Doug, uh, I think you have another thought on this that you wanted to go ahead and mention real quick. I do. I'm just thinking about this. If you would have asked me before the draft, yeah, do you think Terry McLaurin will go before Kelvin Arman? I would have said no so fast. I'd be like, no, heck no. There's no way. But he went three rounds before him. Like... What? He showed out at the Senior Bowl, dude. Like he lit it up, and I, you know, Matt and them, they gave him the nickname of Scary Terry, and that's exactly what he is. And then the more you know, you start to watch Haskins taper stuff, you start to see him kind of pop off the camera, similar to what um, Paris Campbell was doing. So seeing both of them come from Ohio State and then succeed with Haskins. That was the reason why I kind of had a lower grade on Haskins was just he had NFL talent around him at every position. Yeah. Speaking of guys that have fallen, I think that's where we need to go to next. I think we all have a few guys that we were just like, what the hell is happening? How are they falling? What's going on? So I'm going to start us out because why not? I was on this little wagon all of last week talking about how I believed that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, with his versatility, would be the first DB taken. I didn't have him ranked as my first DB, but I just thought with the versatility, his speed, the way he can hit, the way he can play in slot, I just thought that NFL teams would really consider him super early. And I'm talking like between like 15 to 21, somewhere in that area. And all of a sudden... It's the end of day two, and he is still not taken. And for those of you that are new, that's the end of the third round, and he's still available. So that means early as he can be taken is round four. I'm hitting these guys up saying, what did we miss? What's going on? Like, Has anybody heard anything about why he's falling? And Austin gave us a little bit of a nugget. And Austin, what was that nugget? The nugget that I heard was that he didn't have a set position. 
my instant response to that was, isn't that kind of a good thing? Like that just seems like a honey badger 2.0. And so, you know, like tree said, once he fell out of the first round, I was like, oh, he'll go in the early second. No way the chiefs get him. There's no ways there. Chiefs come up, they trade up, they get Miko Hardman. Okay, wide receiver, we know everyone knows what's going on in that situation. It looks like a replacement somewhat, no matter what what happens. We want to talk about that aspect of things we can a little bit, but if not, you know, we'll just let it play out. And then when the Chiefs came up again at the end of the second round, it was, hey, he's still on the board. Let's go ahead and get him here. And then for whatever reason, they take Juan Thornhill out of Virginia which isn't a bad pickup, you know what I mean? But like we're talking about right now, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's still there. Who cares if he doesn't have a position? Let's get him on the field with Honey Badger. Then we have two guys that can play everywhere. That's a pretty scary secondary. But, of course, you know, he ends up with the Saints. He's probably going to do amazing there. He's, we're going to be through the middle of the year and be like, wow, why didn't this guy go in the earlier in the draft? Well, because some idiots don't like the fact that he doesn't have a dead set position. So... Here we are, NFL stupid. We already know that. Uh, who are some other guys, you know, in your minds that had a huge fall that were kind of shocking to you besides, you know, Treese's, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson here? So this guy is somebody that I was high on, but, I mean, the entire line that he was a part of, I was high on, and that's Bo Ben Schwazel, however you say his last name. But Bo, the uh, right tackle from Wisconsin, the dude went undrafted. I loved watching him. He started out as a tight end there, moved positions, gained some weight, some big weight, and he's a big kid. He's huge. And he went undrafted. The Detroit Lions picked him up, which for me, I'm like, damn, that's a good pickup for the Lions. The Lions picked up some pretty good players that were undrafted free agents, which already the Lions, to me, had a really good, a really decent draft, especially they got TJ Hawkinson, who, holy shit. Right on. Good for the Lions. Um, but Bo Ben Schwazel, I couldn't believe that he fell out. I really couldn't. I I thought he'd be like a fifth, sixth rounder, and that'd be good value. Instead, like, I'm missing something, apparently. We're all missing something, apparently. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't know too much about him, like, personally, but, you know, looking back and then the fact that you know, just like Doug mentioned, he gets picked up by the Lions. Great pick by them. Some guys that were surprisingly false to me. First two receivers drafted was Hollywood Brown and Nikhil Harry. And, of course, that guy goes to the Patriots. That's just what we all freaking need. DK goes in the second to Seattle. AJ goes in the second to the Titans. Which, by the way, the Titans had a pretty good freaking draft. That's something we'll talk about here in a little bit more. And then... Two other guys that were surprising false for me was Greedy Williams. I know we'll get more into that here in a little bit. Doug, I know you didn't like it, but, man, you're going to have to now because that's a pretty good pickup. And the only reason he fell was because there's some insider from Louisiana State who talks shit on these players right before they go in, and these teams trust that guy, and they fall. So I do know that. So Greedy's going to come in you know, with a fire underneath his ass, and he's probably going to do really well, and John Dorsey's going to be you know, pinned as a genius once again into the – draft world and then the last one for me is chase winovich for the defensive end out of michigan i think he's gonna have a better career than R rashawn gary and of course this guy falls to the patriots as well i was so pissed when he fell to the patriots i was like are you freaking kidding me the yep. patriots they're that's all what the hell they kill harry chase winovich follow the freaking and they go to the freaking patriots oh it's so hard for me to just not hate that team they, 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 these guys just fall to them. I mean, they just they land or right in their laps, and they're like, "Huh, what do we do here?" Well, shit, look, there's Jace Winovich. Let's give him a freaking call, and that's just how it works. Trees, did you have any other guys that you know were considered falling on your board? Another guy for me is Mac Wilson, who fell to Doug's team at pick 155. I considered him a top 40 player. I know that there were some worries about some medicals with him, but. 155 is a crazy fall. I mean, if you're worried about medicals, I could see, okay, he drops to in the 70s. But 150, that that's ridiculous to me. I did a mock draft on Twitter. I was I thought I was reaching when I had him going in the second round. I was like, ah, I doubt that the Browns will pick him. But, eh, Mac Wilson, hopefully he's available. Freaking round five, the Browns pick him up. 
I'm okay with it. 100% okay with it. I loved him. I thought he was great. So, hey, go Browns. Dog pound, baby. Yeah, pretty. You, I think the Browns had a pretty good draft, which kind of brings me to what I want to talk about next, guys, is what teams do we think had really, really good drafts? I know we've brought up the Redskins, but let's talk about some other teams here. So, Austin, how about you start us off? Yeah, so there were a lot of, not necessarily a lot of teams, but there were some teams where players just happened to fall to them. You know, they didn't have to trade up in situations. And the team that we've already kind of talked about is the Redskins. You know, Haskins falls to them. Montez Sweat doesn't necessarily fall to him, but they see that he's falling and they go, let's go ahead and trade back up and get this guy. Uh, you know, we've already talked about guys that fell to him in the later end of the draft, but another team that I thought did really, really good this year was the Bills. You know, they were able to get guys on all their needs and who they were looking for and who they wanted. And that just kind of goes to show how well Buffalo is doing and, you know, what direction they're heading. You know, they get Ed Oliver at pick nine. Then they get Cody Ford, Devin Singletary, which is like another Shady McCoy. So that's good for them. Then they get Dawson Knox as a tight end. Move up and get Voshan Joseph. Patrice, that's a big guy for you. Jaquan Johnson, Daryl Johnson, and then Tommy Sweeney, and that wraps up their draft. But, I mean, all those guys, I mean, at the beginning there can be plug-and-play, essentially. You know, you give Singletary maybe a year or two to develop behind McCoy. Maybe he plays this year because McCoy's going to get hurt like he always does. That's not a knock against him, but at the same time it is because if you're hurt, you're hurt. You know, the best ability a player has is availability, and if you don't have it, next guy up. You know what I mean? So, that's it for the Bills. I think they're heading in the right direction for their franchise, and they're going to do great. Another one for me was the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, my God. Does their GM know what he's doing? Because he just, another situation. Guys don't necessarily seem to fall to him, but when they pick him, you're going to ask yourself, why did they get him there? And then when the season happens, you're going, hmm, makes sense. You know, just like I was saying here, Chris Ballard's a genius. He gets Rocky Sin. Falls right to them there in the second round. He trades back out of the first, trades back again. He's able to get extra picks for their team, which is just great because he's able, he's still able to get one of the top corners in the draft. And then he gets Ben Bango. I know I just botched the heck out of that name. Ben Bagu out of TCU. He's a heck of an edge guy. I did some scouting on him. And that guy shows up on tape as well as their linebacker that you know, happened to fall in the draft, but it will be a good pickup for the future. Uh, Colts moved on to get Paris Campbell. Looks like they're just decided to draft guys that I definitely don't know how to pronounce. Bobby Okariki, another linebacker that's a good pickup for him. And then they just kind of went down the board and was able to get more help for the defense, and that's just great for them. So the Colts, you know, it seems like they're reaching on some of these guys here, but they end up falling to them in the perfect spot, and that's ultimately what they need, and that's just – beautiful for them and this last team here that i have that i feel like won the draft and i hate to say it because i hate them they're in the afc and this just goes to prove that the chiefs need to win now they need to figure it out quickly or they're going to be screwed because the raiders are coming back the three picks that they had in the first round might have seemed like a little bit of a reach but I'll tell you what, those guys are going to come in and they're going to change the culture of that team. They're going to change the culture of that defense, which was, was one of the worst ones last year. They get immediate help along the defensive line. They get immediate help in their secondary. And we can say these guys kind of fell in the draft, but they just land in their lap, you know, in the later rounds. And then they get a Foster Moreau, one of my yeah. favorite tight ends, you know, that I wanted the Chiefs to grab. Chiefs don't get to him. They don't have a fourth pick. They traded their fifth pick. And so they eventually just end up creating this new team of their, like, you know, hey, I know this Austin kid really likes him. Let's go ahead and take him. The other one was Isaiah Johnson, the defensive back at a uh, Houston. Watch that kid play. Oh, my God. He's tall. He's got long arms. He's super freaking fast. And he can tackle. And that's going to be huge for the Raiders. I mean, that's huge you know, for him, because the guy that was drafted right before him, I don't remember his name, excuse me there, but Matt and Mello were talking about, wow, that guy really tackles, you know, that guy, that's a good cornerback that can tackle, and then Isaiah Johnson's the next pick, and he's got like 20 more tackles than him, and you're just like, great, he can cover and tackle, so the Raiders are getting better for the future, the Chiefs need to win now, they need to figure it out, or the Raiders are back, and I don't really want that, 
Trish, uh, <laughs> who do you got uh, for teams, you know, that ended up winning the draft for you? Yeah, Austin, to add on to that, they took Trayvon Mullen in the second round as well. And I was a huge Trayvon Mullen fan. So Raiders, fantastic job. Really, really good draft. For me, one of the names or teams that I really liked that in the draft was the Los Angeles Rams. I thought that they had a great draft. Uh, they got Taylor Rapp fell to them in the second round. Such a good safety. Considering that they'll have players like him and Eric Weddle, that'll be awesome. They went after Daryl Henderson. I personally would have went after Montgomery, but still, Henderson, you have to start wondering if there's something seriously wrong with Gurley at this point. If you're taking around somebody in the top 70, plus that they've been looking at other guys uh, Mac Brown, I think, was the other running back on their team that they ended up signing an offer sheet to to make sure he didn't leave. Uh, David Long, we've all talked about him on this podcast before. Really good linebacker out of West Virginia. Or, or sorry, wrong David Long. I'm sorry. David Long, the quarterback out of Michigan. Sorry. Who we've also talked about. Austin, you specifically talked about him. And he's a very solid corner. Bobby Evans helping out that offensive line because that offensive line is getting older in with the Rams, but they're going to get younger and have some guys that they can develop. And then we actually have had a few questions on Twitter from David Edwards. They end up taking him later in the rounds, round five. Really solid player that can come in and be versatile for them. So the Rams are a really solid pick for me. And another team would be a team that actually didn't have very many picks. And that'd be the Philadelphia Eagles. So Andre Dillard in round one, he wasn't one of my favorite tackles, but for what the Eagles want to do, he's perfect. He's the best pass blocker and you have to protect Carson Wentz. So that is like a must have round two. They took mine and Austin's guy. I was so upset when he got taken and that is Miles Sanders running back out of Penn state. That combo with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, I'm telling everyone right now, it is going to be deadly this year. I think it is going to be awesome. They'll be Uh, one of the best duos, hands down. Yeah, right? Uh, They got Argea Argea Whiteside. How do you say it? Arsegia. Arsegia. Is that how you pronounce it? JJ Argaria Whiteside. Argaria? Oh, there we go. No, no, it's not. But anyways, either way, Guy out of Stanford, he's awesome, big body. With us being from Utah, we got to watch him a lot, being from the Pac-12. He's solid. And then they end up in the fifth round getting Clayton Thorson, the quarterback out of Northwestern. He was hurt a lot during college, but now he's going to have time to heal up, learn from Carson Wentz, and be a guy that if Wentz goes down again is going to be able to come in. He's obviously going to have all these weapons because they have a lot of weapons on this offense now. The running backs we talked about, let's not forget about Ertz. Let's not forget about Jeffrey. They got Deshaun Watson. They still have Nelson Aguilar, which is probably going to end up changing, but they still do have him at this point, so I'm going I'm to include him at this point. So I think that the Eagles are primed to win that division again. I am super impressed with the Seahawks. They started out with four picks in the draft. I think they ended up with 11. Yeah. That is unbelievable. They did. That's exactly what they did. That is unbelievable. And they ended up with my boy, Jazz Ferguson. They got Jazz. They got Jazz Ferguson. And I'm happy because they actually traded up in the seventh round with the Jags and gave them a 2026 round pick. So, which is... I'm going to actually go on that when I'm talking about the Jags. So I'll leave that spoiler or little thing for you guys. But one thing I do want to pat myself on the back, though, was as soon as they signed Russell Wilson to that big deal, I said that I think that they're going to go heavy on wide receiver and say, okay, we're going to finally get you guys or you guys, you, Russell Wilson, some weapons. And they end up getting DK Metcalf and Gary Jennings, two of my favorite. Not favorite wide receivers, but two of my guys that can become really. And Jazz Ferguson. And Jazz Ferguson. Well, I'm talking <laughs> about in the draft. I'm not talking about undrafted. <laughs> I know that that's your guy, but DK in that offense is going to be awesome. And I think that Gary Jennings is going to be able to make some real plays. I think that he'll find a lot of similarities in the throw style of 
uh, Will Greer and Russell Wilson. No, All right. that's Sorry. perfect. Sorry, guys. I know that we were supposed to do that, but I, I just didn't want us to forget about that because I thought that that was super impressive of what the Seahawks did. No, I'm super glad you brought that up, too, at the very end there because they had, like, nothing. And just saying, all right, so Pete Carroll, the day of the draft, or the day before the draft, of course, just like last year, the Seahawks, they try and give hints as to what they're going to attempt to do. So he played the song Lean On Me on the piano, which Pete Carroll, first of all, so weird, took his shirt off for the DK Metcalf um, when DK Metcalf came in. I was like, all right, Pete. I thought it was cool, but also Pete Carroll is a weird looking dude. Like, it was just, I was like, all right, I like him. He's trying to be young like everybody else. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I just think Pete Carroll's a different guy. That's just how it is in general, though. Um, But he played that lean on me. The very end of that song, it just says, call me, call me over and over again. Because they were ready to make those trades. Like, that was their plan all along. Which, of course, looking back at it now, that's just how it is. But I I loved what the Seahawks did. They definitely had a draft nobody could have predicted. Nobody mocked out. Nobody made the guesses that they were going to make those trades. So that I'll, I'll admit I'm impressed with the Seahawks too. I'm glad you brought that up. But now let's go into grading our team's drafts. I'll start out. I got to start talking about Greedy because just like Tree said, I wasn't sold on him. He was always in my top four for a cornerback. But what really made me not sold on Greedy was his performance his last year at LSU. His first year, though, his first year, he did amazing at LSU. The dude was a stud. Really good. Second year, though, just didn't perform the same way. It seemed like some plays he was, yeah, he was great with man coverage, but if the play didn't go his way, he'd just stop. He wouldn't do anything. And I don't know if that's effort. I don't know if that's him just wanting to be like, hey, listen, I know I'm pretty damn good. I'm going to go in the draft. I'll go high. I just need to stay safe. I need to be careful. I can't get hurt. So I don't know what the whole deal was with that LSU, but I will say this. He fell out of the first round. I I would have said, if somebody were to ask me, like, hey, that's going to... If somebody were to ask me that, hey, what do you think of Greedy Williams? When is he going to leave? I would have told you, damn it, Greedy's going to go in the first round. He definitely is going in the first round. I would have told you that any day. He fell, though. I was like, what? No freaking way. That's Greedy Williams. Everybody loves him. I had issues with his character, but that's beside the point. The Browns got him in the second round. Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward. Then you got Demarius Randall covering up top. Terrence Mitchell even from the Chiefs that we picked up last year. Dude was a baller for us. I'm pretty damn excited for the Browns secondary now. Now, I last podcast, I said the Browns need secondary help and linebackers. What do they do? They draft the majority of secondary help and linebackers. Mac Wilson, insanely insanely happy that the Browns picked up Mac Wilson. They also picked up Taki Taki from BYU. For us, we're Utah people, at least Riley, Treese, and I. We're Utah people all the way. But I got to root for a BYU guy now, and I actually do like him as a player. I just don't like that school. That's beside the point. But the Browns, in general, overall, they picked up a ton of good players. I'm going to give them an A overall for a grade for their draft. Because I think that they did amazing. And mainly because of the value that dropped to them. Especially Greedy in the second round. No way I would have thought that would have happened. But I'll give them easily an A. But I mean, speaking of, the Browns had a ton of value dropped to them. But let's get real here. In our too-good-to-be-true mock draft, Justin Treese goes, Oh, this is way too good to be true. I don't see it happening. But Josh Allen to the Jags at the seventh overall pick. So, Treese, what happened in the NFL draft? It's just too good to be true, everybody. You can't make this shit up. Austin, how pumped were you when I when you saw that video of me? Because I was going nuts. I called both of you guys, and I was like, I don't even care what else is going on. Uh, I was driving home. I was so excited. Um, Austin was like, I got to post that video. He was like the first one to be like, I got to do this. So... 
Um, but I don't know why I asked. It was more of a rhetorical question. I'm sorry, Austin. But anyways. Okay. <laughs> um, I was happy for you. I was really happy for you. you. You called me and I was in the middle of a conversation with my girlfriend. And uh, she was like, what is going on? And I was like, Josh Allen just fell to the Jaguars. Who? Just, like, Here, who? just listen to him. He's happy. Let him let him enjoy his moment. Him so his I'm going to let you have your moment again. Go ahead and continue on with uh, their draft. Yeah, thank you. So I was the first one to say this. I was against all the people that said they're going to take a right tackle in the first round. I was saying for months now that – Defensive end is what they need. They need another speed rusher, and then they can take um, an offensive lineman in the second round. And what do you know? That's exactly what they do. And I'm the first to admit that I'm absolutely shocked that Jawan Taylor is the one that they end up getting in the second round, as a lot of people thought they were going to get him in at pick seven. I know there was some uh, some concerns about his knee, and that's why he ended up falling. But he hasn't missed any time. He seems to be healthy, and I'm going to take his word for it there. They end up trading up three picks to get him, to assure that they get him in the second round, which I think is awesome. It honestly really does remind me of that 2016 draft where Jalen Ramsey just falls to them, and then they... They were already considering Miles Jack uh, that early anyways, and then he ends up falling to the second round, so they trade up to get their guy. My favorite thing is they didn't give up that much to trade up those three or four spots that they did. They end up giving away a fourth-round pick, but they get a fifth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. So they gain two picks, they lose one pick, and then they end up trading that seventh-round pick later in the draft for a next year's six round pick. So they end up getting a fifth and sixth rounder and only give up a fourth rounder to move up those few spots to get their guy, which I think is just a great move for them. I'm very happy. First two picks. Awesome. You have to give it an A at that point. Round three, they end up getting Josh Oliver, which I did like Josh Oliver. I actually didn't think that the Jags would consider him as much because I think he's more of a pass-catching tight end more than an interior blocker. But now that I'm thinking about it is all their tight ends that they have now are all just those blocking type and not the receiving type. So maybe that's exactly what they did need. I thought they would just go for a guy that kind of can do both. But hey, I, I love it. San Jose State guy. They actually had like a playbook for San Jose that was just called beast plays or something like that and that just means the put the ball has to go to josh oliver that that was their that was their playbook which is kind of cool to see out of a tight end now we start getting interesting round three pick 98 quincy williams i was like chauncey gardner johnson's on the board chauncey gardner's on the board let's get him back you know we'll get two florida guys we're gonna be we're going to be having the best draft. Let's just get him. They end up taking Quincy Williams, or yeah, Quincy Williams. I have to text these guys. Hey, anybody know about Quincy Williams from Murray State? Because this is the first time I've ever heard his name. No idea who this dude was. Austin then sends me a little text saying, yeah, it's Quinnen Williams' brother. Quinnen Williams, who went number three overall to the Jets. I'm like, okay, bloodlines are good, but that doesn't mean that you're good at football. So I'm like, all right, I look at our little database that a lot of us use here that with players look for him. He's not in it. I'm like, shit. Okay. So next best thing we can do is go to YouTube. Let's just see if there's a highlight reel and just see what we can get. And there is one video of Quincy Williams. And lo and behold, it's uploaded by Quincy Williams, which is a nice little touch there. Uh, but from, and again, it's highlights everybody. So obviously you're going to look good in a highlight reel. Like that's the point of them. But I did love seeing the speed. He is a very hard hitter. He has this mixture of, he could be like an outside linebacker or he could be like kind of a bigger safety. And so, and I think that's exactly the way the Jags are going to use him. I think they're just going to be letting him play kind of all over the field, uses versatility there. Uh, I, I can say I don't like the pick just because I didn't know if the value was there. But given there are a lot of rumors, even Kyle Shanahan came out yesterday and said this is exactly where we had him ranked was in the third round. 
So I'll take that as, okay, uh, maybe the Jags aren't the only ones that did this. Uh, Dave Caldwell actually had a good little uh, comeback to one of the reporters and said, it's not my fault that you guys don't do research on good players or something like that, which was very uh, – this was to like a reporter uh, for the Jaguars, which is interesting because it's not really his like style to say something like that. But I think he's just like, no, you guys, you guys will see. So for me, this is a wait-and-see pick. I don't. I personally don't think the value was there, but it's because I know nothing about him. So we'll wait and see. Like that's a, at this point, that's all you really can do. Uh, they come back in the fifth round because they didn't have the fourth round pick. Fifth round, they take Regal Ar- Armstead, geez, Armstead, out of Temple, the running back. And this dude is a one cut and burst type runner, which is exactly what I wanted to see. I really like him. And at Temple, which I've heard this on a few other podcasts which i thought it was interesting the last year and a half uh if you wear single digit numbers at temple it's like a big deal and he was wearing single digit numbers so i'm like okay cool like let's you know take that for what it's worth it's more of like a good thing by the coaches like saying like hey you've earned this which is cool like you want you want a guy that's on good terms with coaches and whatnot uh they needed a running back i've been saying that on this podcast that i think that they still need one here, I would have rather have seen Mike Weber here out of Ohio State. But again, it's the one cut and burst type guy. He's got power. He's got good enough speed. I can't hate on the pick. Like the value is is fine there, um, which is also surprising that Mike Weber fell, fell to round seven, guys. I was absolutely shocked there. Gets to team up with his old teammate in Ezekiel Elliott down in Dallas. So that's kind of cool. Uh, round six. A pick that I am super excited about, and that's Gardner Minshew, the quarterback out of Washington State. Do I think that he's going to be anything spectacular? No, I don't. But like his like charisma and everything is awesome. He won Pac-12 Player of the Year. I saw him torch the Utes defense, who had a lot of picks in this draft. Um, I remember when we, it was almost Pac-12 championship time, I was just like, Washington beat them, beat them, please, because I just don't want to see Minshew again because he's just going to tear us apart again. Like, we don't have any shot at the Pac-12 championship game if Washington State wins. And luckily that did happen, but then Byron Murphy kind of ruined all of our hopes and dreams. That was – I went to that game in California, and that was just heartbreaking. Speaking of that, uh, the tailgating at that stadium, at Levi Stadium, is complete garbage. Um, whoever's in charge of that, can you please fix it? Like they didn't open up tailgating until two hours before the game started. I'm like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? We, we show up, we legit show up like 11 hours early to tailgating and just party. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm dead serious. 11 hours early. Usually like games in in Utah are like 8 PM and we usually show up at like eight or 9 AM and just go all out all day. We do breakfast, lunch, dinner. We have a lot of beer pong. Uh, we have a lot of challenges on who can drink as much as you can. And uh, record for me is 28 beers, which my stomach was really full that day. Yeah, everybody, you're welcome. Um, but anyways, back to Minshew. That was a side tangent there. You're welcome. Um, Minshew, he, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a full, full circle, everyone. Don't worry about it. Back to Minshew. He... Uh, maybe some of you guys don't know, like nobody really wanted him. And then he ended up going to a couple different colleges and then he ended up going to Alabama, but it was going to be more of like a coaching role rather than a player's role. And then Mike Leach calls him and just says, Hey, come to Washington state. Let's see what can happen within two weeks. He became the starting quarterback at Washington state. And he ended up showing up, I think in mid to late June, last year so he didn't even know like the system or the playbook or anything like that so the reason i love this pick the most is if he does not work out as a player he's going to be their quarterback coach guaranteed i'm going to call it right now so i love that pick um i think that's enough for the jags i think everybody's like okay dude can we move on to another team so you're welcome um hey i've said it before it's our podcast. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about, and that's the Jags right now. <laughs> uh, hey, that's okay. The Jags did good. I'm going to agree with you on the Gardner Minshew thing. The yeah. dude's the ultimate bro. So he really is right. 
Um, seventh round, they t- end up taking Russell, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. Um, I think it's just a pick that they feel like they're probably going to need some defensive tackles. It's it's a fine pick. I think it's I honestly I kind of would be surprised if he made the roster at this point. I think that they have a lot of defensive tackles on this team that can make the roster. Um, so I'm sorry. Are we giving grades here? If we're giving a grade, I would say I would say somewhere in that C range. I think that really good at the at the start, and then I think it did tail off towards the end. There's just some picks that it's more wait and see, and I mean I can't give anything higher than that without another year or two under the belt to see what these guys have become. I mean if Quin- if Quincy Williams becomes something, obviously this is going to become an A because I really believe that Taylor and Allen are going to be something. If you can get three to four, three to four solid starters in a draft, you did great. Um, Austin, what do you got for your Kansas City Chiefs here? I'm not like ecstatic, but you know, they filled some holes. Of course, the guys they drafted, you know, maybe one out of the six that they took, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy, I had him on my board. You know, I like him. That's who I wanted him to go with. But it's a pretty good draft. I'm happy with it. I think it fills some holes, and these guys will be Chiefs for a long time. Brett Beach does a good job at finding guys that, you know, have great potential, but still showed a lot of talent in college. That's what I love about him the most. So speaking of each here, he did trade up in the second round to get Miko Hardman. The Chiefs didn't have their first round pick. Everyone knows that. They traded Seattle to get Frank Clark, one of the best pass rushers in the league. And the best part about that aspect was after the draft, um, they sent out a media packet to all the media members, and they put as their first round draft pick Frank Clark. So it was kind of like, hey, uh, you know, we did pretty good. Did pretty, pretty good. You know what I mean? So uh, second round here, they trade up. They get Miko Hardman um, out of Georgia. I didn't really read too much in, into him. I didn't pay attention to him too much. You know, nothing against him. I was just DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. You know, those were the guys I was really focusing on. After that, I thought we were set a wide receiver. Everything that's happened happens. And it's like, okay, you know, this is what a need is. But the one thing I thought was really interesting about this pick was when Veach had his press conference um, – he mentioned that he ran a 4-2-9 at the uh, NFL Combine. But the Combine results show a 4-3-3, I believe. So, you know, everyone in the media is like, yeah, you know, he's fast. He runs a 4-3-3. Brett Beach comes up and he's like, well, we had him running a 4-2-9, 4-2-8. So, you know, that's that's a huge difference in speed. You know what I mean? So that's great for the Chiefs. They're going to need that with whatever's happening. I don't even want to mention it right now. So we'll move on to their next pick here in the second round. Uh, Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. He's a big cover safety. You know, he's got some decent range. He hits hard. Uh, he led the team in interceptions, so you like to see that. Chiefs definitely do need help in their secondary. Armani Watts is coming back from an injury. His issue is tackling. Juan Thornhill doesn't seem to have that issue, so that's going to be nice. Maybe they'll duel it out for that pick um, between or that spot with Daniel Sorensen, Armani Watts, Jordan Lucas. Those are just guys further down there, the Chiefs' depth chart. Uh, then in the third round, the Chiefs went Colin Saunders. This is probably my favorite pick of the draft just because of his name and what he's been through and just the type of guy that he is. Um, this is a guy that you know was recorded doing backflips at the Senior Bowl. This is that big defensive tackle that can do backflips. I don't know how many other defensive tackles you see out there doing this type of stuff, but... This is also what got him up draft boards. Wow, you know, this guy's pretty athletic, and he is. He tore it up at the Senior Bowl. He's got a tremendous speed off the line of scrimmage. He's great. He's a good pass rusher, which the Chiefs don't have as their interior defensive line besides Chris Jones. They have Derek Nottie, but he's going to be the guy that comes in and fills up, you know, gaps and, you know, just kind of eats up space against the run, but he doesn't have a good pass rush technique. Colin Saunders fills that right there. So that's more depth to the defensive line. I really like that. Then in the sixth round, the Chiefs didn't have a fourth-round pick. They traded that a couple years ago to the Bills to get um, Reggie Raglan. Guess it's a good pick. We'll see how that you know how he does in this new defensive scheme. The fifth-round pick is what they traded as part to move up in the second round to get Hardman. So in the sixth round, they have two picks here. The first one, they get Rashad Fenton, cornerback out of South Carolina. I feel like this is a little late in the draft to be getting a corner. But watching his tape and seeing him, he's a physical type corner. He's a ball hawk. He seems to know where the ball is. He's got good speed. So this could potentially be a good pickup here in the sixth round. And then they also got Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. 
And there's a video floating around of him doing 500 pounds on front squat with his arms in the natural position of it. He doesn't have them crossed for the flexibility aspect. This dude's got his hands. You can see it. He's got it just sitting on his shoulder, and he's got like two fingers just kind of holding the bar the best that he can. Dude goes all the way down, ass to grass on the front squat, and then comes right back up with ease. That's tremendous. You watch his tape. The dude bounce offs tacklers. He's got great balance. He's got quick speed. I believe in the at the combine he ran like a four, five, six. You know, so it's not breakaway speed, but you know what I mean? You get on the field, that's that's still decent speed. You're gonna break some tackles, good balance, you're moving it through. We saw that with Kareem Hunt kind of. He's not as big as Kareem Hunt, but that's what Chiefs fans really like. You know what I mean? That's kind of what they started to fall in love with on their running back prototypes. Is a guy that has a good balance can break tackles, can get those extra yards, and doesn't give up. And that's what Kansas City likes. That's exactly what they got here in the sixth round. In the seventh round, they got Nick Algretti or Nick Algretta out of Illinois. He's a center, offensive guard. He can play all three interior positions. That's great. The Chiefs need that depth after losing Mitch Morse. There's kind of a gap there at left guard. Does Andrew Wiley fill that? We don't know. Um, is Larry uh, – or is I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. Uh, Leviat Tardif. He's the doctor, Canadian doctor, Chiefs offensive lineman. You guys shaking your heads, you don't know. Okay, yeah, Chiefs have a doctor on the team. What do you guys got? Huh? That's what I thought. When he got hurt last year, funny story here, he told the, the medical staff when they came out what happened to his leg. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a strained MCL. It's like, uh, okay. He's like, yeah, I'm probably out like six weeks. That's exactly how long he was out. So when I heard that story, I thought it was pretty funny. But the Chiefs grab interior offensive line depth. So to go ahead and wrap up this Chiefs draft here, I think they they filled a lot of holes. They filled some needs. You know, you wish they would have got some more big-name type guys, but that's not really what Kansas City is about. They're going to get guys that are going to come in and play, add some depth, which is what this team ultimately needs. They did go defense heavy, which is what they did last year as well. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a B as a grade just because, you know, isn't really any of the guys that – you heard a lot of the media talking about is and hey, this guy's a definite hit. Even, you know, if that is to be said, you don't know if they're going to hit or not. So I will give them a B. I would love to see this team continue to develop and transition. Hopefully everything gets lined out and we can focus on football with the Chiefs instead of everything else off the field. I think a B is a good pick for them, and that's where I'll set it out at. And then for their undrafted free agents, let's go ahead and transition to this as well. I'll just lead it off since I'm here. Um... The Chiefs, they were able to get a Gary Johnson, a linebacker out of Texas. When was the last time the Chiefs had a good linebacker out of Texas with the last name Johnson? Derek Johnson? Hey, there we go. It seems just like him when you watch this tape. Go ahead. I want you guys, I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. Go watch some Gary Johnson tape. The dude's fast, he hits hard, he fills gaps, and he's good in pass coverage. He's probably going to make the team, and he's probably going to be there for this line, this linebacker core moving forward for the Chiefs. Then they went ahead and got a Jamal Custis, wide receiver out of Syracuse. They got Felton Davis the third out of Michigan State. James Williams, a running back, and then Jack Fox a punter. Those are the big names to me that kind of stand out. Further down their list, they grab more wide receivers. You're kind of starting to see a trend here with the noise that's coming out of Kansas City. A spot's about to open up. We need immediate help there. We need weapons for Patrick Mahomes. Let's continue this on. This is something we always want. The MVP needs his guys to throw to. Well, you're probably not going to be MVP again. You know what I mean? And then they grab more depth at running back. Of course, his last name is Williams. It seems like if you have the last name Williams and you're running back, Kansas City is watching you. And then this last guy that they picked up, Jack Fox, um, just the aspect that it's a punter. It's just kind of eye-opening because Dustin Colquitt, you know, just kind of solidified that spot for years. But he is getting older, and they do need to move on. I don't necessarily think this is the guy that maybe comes in and takes that spot, but he's someone that's going to compete for it. And last year, two years in a row, they haven't brought any punters because they've just said, who's going to beat Colquitt? I mean, the dude's – it's Dustin Colquitt. No one's going to take the spot, right? So kind of surprising to me that they signed someone to bring in and compete. I'm excited for it. Um, who are some of your guys' favorite um, undrafted free agents that your team's picked up? Yeah, so for the Jags, they actually have signed quite a bit. I think they're at like 12 or 13 at this point, which is um, kind of the Jags' forte. They always sign a lot. They try to go off of that. They try to go off of that like Seattle-type philosophy. But for me, I think that 
So they've signed both of the wide receivers out of the uh, Central Florida, which I think is just good to get some wide receivers in there. Uh, Jeff Smith out of Boston College, which is great. Michael Walker out of Boston College as well. Michael Walker, some of you guys, uh, some of you guys may remember, he had an awesome punt return against Clemson this year um, that gave them the lead early in the game. Obviously, Clemson ended up kicking the shit out of him, but it was exciting there. Uh, Joe Giles Harris, the linebacker out of Duke. I know that that's actually Doug's boy. Doug really likes him. So I'm very happy about that. I think, uh, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say love him, but you, you think it's a good undrafted free. I, I do. I think that it was a really good pickup because I mean, a lot of people had him going in like the third or the fourth round at the beginning of like the pre-draft process. And he started to fall a little bit cause he's a little stiff. But I do think that that value being a UDFA, perfect. Yeah, and sorry, and that's what I meant by you love him in in this scenario, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, So those are good. Uh, I still think that they needed help at safety and corner, which they didn't really address in the draft. And so that's why I was happy to see them pick up Zedrick Woods out of Ole Miss, the safety. Uh, That name may be familiar with some of you guys because he ran a 4-2-9. I believe that was the fastest this year at at the Combine, which is awesome. And then they picked up um, Savian Smith, the cornerback out of Alabama. Always like to get those tougher guys that obviously were highly recruited out of high school and see if you can get that potential to come out of them once you get them into the NFL. Doug, now that you had a chance to look over them because I know the Browns are busy. what do you got? You know, to be honest with you, they signed, let's see, let me count it up real quick. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 undrafted free agents up to this point. I'll be honest with you, most of these dudes, I don't even know who they are. Um... The only two people that I have tabs on that I know somewhat is David Blow, Blau, however you say it, the QB out of Purdue, and the safety out of Carthage, Amani Dennis. Two guys that I'm not going to say I followed a ton, uh, especially the QB. I wasn't huge with the QBs this year other than the people we talked about a ton, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, you know, the regulars. Um but Amani Dennis out of Carthage, I did follow because he's a safety and he's a guy that the Browns definitely could use with the depth. Uh, really good pickup. They signed pretty much all over the place. They picked up Brian Finian Ganafo out of Idaho State, an O lineman, repping Idaho. I love that. Uh, other than that, they've picked up a ton of people, mostly for depth. I mean, they picked up a few more linebackers, which they still need for depth. They picked up the Iowa State, Willie Harvey, JT Hassel from Florida Tech. Um, A lot of the guys, like I said, not a ton that I know of, but I know people that are going to be really great for um, depth, really great to help the other starters compete for their job, to help push them a little bit more, practice guys. Um, Overall, though, it's it was a – they're making a haul on the undrafted free agents, all the people coming in to rookie minicamp, all the invites – I love it. Loved their draft. The Browns, dude, they're they're coming for everyone this year. I love it. Yeah. And for everybody, I know we're just naming a ton of names, and Doug's mentioned it. There's some names that we're just not very familiar with because, hey, this isn't our full-time jobs. We got other stuff we got to do. We can't, we can't be scouting 400-type players, right? We're all right. 100, 150 range. But – if anybody has any questions on how we feel about your team specifically, if we haven't talked about it, shoot us a message on Twitter at talking underscore football, and we'll be sure to talk about your guys' draft next episode, which also brings me to another team, which is the Detroit, Detroit Lions, which is Riley's team. And so, Riley, you got a guy that we talked about a lot in the first round. I still can't first- believe that you guys got TJ Hawkinson. I'm just throwing that in there. I'm so stoked for Matt Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, right? Yeah, I was uh, extremely excited. Doug was getting the picks before any of us. I was sitting in my car listening on the radio, and it wasn't even a coherent text message. Doug was just like, damn it, you guys got him. 
And that I was still absorbing the shock of Josh Allen falling to the Jaguars, but I figured the Jags would take it. Didn't it feel like that trees that it was seven and eight was going to be Allen and Hawkinson at that point, And the lions would just take whoever the Jags didn't take. Yep. And as you know, as much as I'd love Josh Allen, I've, I've asked this to you guys before just in a group text and stuff, but it seems to me like the way that you guys had described TJ Hawkinson, he he feels like a guy that'll be with the lions for 10 to 12 years, just a, a captain, a reliable player. Whereas i I feel like defensive players, you know, kind of come in and go like somebody like even with uh, what they have going on with Ziggy Ansah right now, he's had moments, but, uh, and that's not to say every DN's going to be like him, but I just thought, you know, in this position, I'd rather have the guy that I feel like is going to be a reliable player because that's what the lions need. They need reliable players uh, to stay with the team. And so I think that uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people bitched about Stafford having such a bad year last year, but he didn't have very many options to throw the ball to, especially the latter part of the year. And obviously, uh, you know, I, you just mentioned the time that we have to look at all these prospects isn't, you know, it's not our full-time jobs, but I do feel like I'm becoming an expert on each of these picks that Lions made. And uh, Hawkinson is a beast. It just makes me think, Doug, you talked about, I mean, you're watching him and Matt Patricia said it, you're watching film of the guy and you're, you see him get off the block. He's just pushing a guy and then you can't see him on the screen. He's like, well, where did he go? You had to back up the screen and see he's clear on the other side of the field, pushing his guy out of bounds. He's like one of the few people where I could just sit there and watch his tape of just blocking. I even an O lineman I have trouble with sometimes. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Watch his footwork. Okay, see how he sets his anchor. Blah blah blah. But then when you watch T.J. Hawkinson, the dude bullies who he goes against, and I love it. I love T.J. Hawkinson, dude. I mean, there's so many comparisons to him and Ebron, which I get it, but I think it's kind of lazy just because they were top ten picks i mean they're different players it's a different draft uh the team's different the lions had calvin when they took ebron i think they take tj hawkinson he's a more complete finished product right now and they need to keep what they've started to build with carry on johnson going and you need to be able to block and i've just never seen a tight end just throw people around the way tj hawkinson does that and i think he's got two drops to his name so obviously is very excited part of me wants to say if they the lions were at the seventh pick that they'd still take tj and josh allen would have gone to the jags at eight but i mean it's a win-win i'm i'm ecstatic that they got him that's awesome uh you mentioned that you'd kind of starting to really dive into a lot of these guys since they have been drafted by your team what's another guy that you uh are really happy about the lions getting well i'm going to mention his name uh we just I think I started following him just a couple days ago before the draft because I realized that he's a Lions fan, lives out here in Utah. Chris Salt, I think is his name, Chris Saltz. I'm going to uh, text him a link here to this podcast. But he was posting screenshots months back about Jelani Tavai and claiming, you know, he's like, I, I would draft this guy late second, early third. Obviously, they went early second with him. But when the pick was made, I'd never heard of the guy ever. And I was really disappointed thinking that they would get Greedy Williams. Um, the jury's out on Jelani Tavai, but it's going to make it fun to watch. You know, you get some really smart people that are like, this guy checks every box. Uh, he had a, sol- a shoulder surgery that kept him from participating in the Senior Bowl. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of smart people are like, if he participates, if anything, he just increases his, dra- his draft stock. Um, but yeah, I think that he's... he's Patricia's new Swiss army knife and you know, the, the lions signed Matt Patricia, obviously being the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. If he is a defensive wizard, he took the lions to a top 10 defensive finish last year. Then he's going to get something out of, uh, divide. Obviously really excited as well with Amani in round five, kind of like Doug with greedy. I didn't think that he was going to be there in round five. Did you guys see Saquon Barkley tweeting out stuff that he, he was basically asking, like, how how has nobody taken him yet? Uh, I didn't. I don't follow yeah. Saquon Barkley, but it does not surprise me. Yeah. You know, obviously them being teammates and stuff. The, the big surprise with me was that the Lions didn't 
get any offensive line help. But as Doug has stated, that's where they've gone heavy. And that's where I expected them to go. As soon as the draft ended and I recapped position by round selections that the Lions made, it was still a little obvious that they needed more offensive line help. And so they've, they've addressed that in, in a UDFA. So we'll see. But I'm, I don't know where I'm at grade-wise with the Lions draft as a whole. I probably would you know, I'd probably say a, a, a B. Um, if you look at those first two picks, could have been Ed Oliver and Greedy Williams. Would you trade that for TJ Hawkinson and Jelani Tavai? Hard to say, but uh, I don't know that I'd trade TJ Hawkinson for anybody in the entire league at this point. That's how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's such, that's you, such a Riley comment. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys... I, I I'm not gonna say that, man. I was gonna say how much I love T.J. Hawkinson again, but I think I beat that like a dead horse. So that's all right, man. That's that's like all I'm saying this episode is how much I love T.J. Hawkinson. I love T.J. Hawkinson. No, but I am glad that um you know you guys all talked about him and text me when he was picked. Uh, I'm glad that you guys who know these guys a lot better than I do uh, gave him such a good grade, and I'm just glad that the Lions. Took who I wanted him to pick. When Josh Allen was off the board, I was like, please, please, please be TJ. And it was. So that was awesome. Well, awesome, Riley. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, everyone's, you know, I think everyone's kind of happy, pretty happy with their with their team overall draft grades and the guys that they decided to go with. Um, can't wait for football here. You know, the draft's over. We've been waiting months for this. It's something we've been talking about for months. Now that it's over, we're going to sit here and talk about how do these guys fit our teams plenty of stuff to talk about as the season you know the offseason continues and we start to head into the actual football season of training camp and then you know hoping our team gets through healthy i'm not going to jinx anybody say any team names but let's go ahead and end it there uh that wraps up our episode once again thank you guys for listening we appreciate you we love you hit us up on twitter talking underscore football once again we do have t-shirts we have apparel bow, bow, bow. haven't done that yet today that'll wrap us up today Thank you guys again. Have a good evening. Peace out.